Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book so you don't have to. My name is Dave Warnke and on each episode of this show we look one of the classics and joining me to look at such a classic this week is one of my best buds in the whole wide world you know him from do go on primates listen now and who knew it with matt stewart who knew it it's matt stewart hey dave thanks so much for having me on the show love this show love the book chook love being in the in the hen house hey it's a, it's a true pleasure to have you uh with your growing list of podcasts there <laughs> yeah i know it sounds pretty ridiculous when you put them all together um but yeah, Not been with Matt Stewart, the brand new po- podcast coming out very soon. Yes, tell us a little bit about who knew it with Matt Stewart. Well, it was a, for a real boon, I got uh, the, the one and only Dave Warnicky for episode one, <gasps> and uh, and as well as Jess Perkins and uh, Saran Jayamana, and we um, basically it's a uh, it's a it's a bit of a bluffing game. There's a, a question, an obscure trivia question. Then the guests have to write fake answers and then somehow figure out which one is the real answer. And it's a bit of fun. It is I'd a lot say. of fun because sometimes you take it really seriously and you come up with a very serious answer. And other times people <laughs> write the most ridiculous stuff. And I've never seen Matt break more than uh, during the recordings of that show. Yeah, I, can't, I, I feel like I break nearly every time we record it, but um, I'll get stronger. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and if people want to see you do that show live, and I'll be there too, you and I are coming up to Brisbane next week. If you listen to this hot off the presses, yes. So it's gonna like it's a brand new show, but and we're already doing it live. So um, <laughs> that's how confident you are. Well, yeah, well, it's funny because I have done it live three times before, twice under the banner of primates, and once for a, a bonus episode for uh, the Do Go On Patreon supporters. And it's always gone really well. So that those live shows are probably what made me realize that it was a fun, uh, you know a fun show that people would like, and I like doing. So yeah, the live shows are um, particularly fun. I think. Yeah. And oh man, it's such a fun live show. People uh, <laughs> get really, really into it. And you're going to be a guest on it again on that live episode, Dave, as well as uh, a, a local comedian or someone who's up in Brisbane at the time. And yeah, I'm doing it back to back with book cheat so we're, you can um listeners want to come along to one they come along to both if they want to at uh, the good chat comedy club in brisbane fantastic these are both on the 24th of september 2022 do the double and you're also doing uh you're making a stand-up comedy comeback as well dave that's right the big comebacks uh, special which uh, i have called the matt stewart comedy hour <laughs> <laughs> with dave waterkey it's been it's people have been begging for it um, but that's why, you know, just to make sure it wasn't too big of a, 
we didn't want to crash the internet or anything, so that's why we've hidden you a little bit uh, in the title. That's right, exactly. Obviously, the Good Chat Comedy Club website can only take so many clicks, so we've had to bury me down there. Mm. Uh, because we are doing all these shows at Good Chat, the comedy venue to the stars up in Brisbane. The 23rd and the 24th are the stand-up shows at night, and the 24th is an afternoon of our podcast. Because you may notice, uh, we've gone into the plugs early here, and I will fully admit that this is a bonus episode because I announced a book sheet live tour on the east coast of Australia last week, Matt. But somehow my thing that I put at the start of the episode failed. So when we were in Sydney last week for gigs, I, people said, oh, you've got to bring book sheet up. I was like, I'm coming. Don't you know? And no one knew. So no one knows that I am uh, doing some live book sheet shows. So this is a bonus episode brought to you by us telling you that I am doing some shows in Brisbane going to be there on the 24th of September. Then I'm going to be in Melbourne, ever heard of it? The 15th of October at the European Beer Cafe for an afternoon gig. And then finally Sydney the week after, Saturday afternoon, the 22nd of October. And I would love to see people there, Matt. That's my thing. I love performing to people. Yeah, people make their live shows a lot better. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> they really, and you really are, do. I saw you in one of those conversations in Sydney where someone said, oh, we didn't realise you were coming up and I could see your little heartbreak. <laughs> yes, it was like, oh no, no, people don't know. Um, so yeah, you can get tickets to all these shows and all the upcoming, if you've listening to this way into the future, you want to check if book sheet do go on who knew it was matt stewart is on the road you can go to do go on pod.com and click on live shows that's how you get all the tickets yes and if you're i mean if you're a, a patron supporter you'll hear about it first and get discounted tickets as well that's right <laughs> no pressure but i'm just saying it's an option yeah <laughs> and if you do that you're supporting shows like book cheat do go on who knew it with matt stewart primates etc the whole bloody thing uh, you get bonus episodes and all sorts of stuff. But yeah, you also get, you know, t- you're the first to hear about uh, Book Cheat coming to Sydney or wherever, or London. I think um, you told people, the Londoners heard about your Book Cheat show before everyone else, didn't they, Dave? Yeah, w- well in advance. Like it, you get first dibs, cheap tickets. It's good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's patreon.com right, well- slash to go on pod. It's weird for me to be doing the plugs on your show, Dave. I apologize for that. Hey, you're great. You're my right-hand man with the plugs. Uh, now that's out the way, I'm going to go solo if you don't mind. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm here to tell you about a very famous short story, Matt. Okay. This week, It's actually been called the most popular short story ever written in English. Whoa. To pump Whoa. it up a little bit. I am, of course, oh, talking no. about Is the most... Book? Yes, no. Unbelievably not. <laughs> yes, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not that short, okay. but it's quite short. It is the most dangerous game. Ooh. Chess. <laughs> well, you put your life on the line every time you pick up that bishop. Monopoly. That that's actually my warmer? Yeah, I, honestly, because that is a dangerous game, especially in my household where people take it very seriously. With good reason. You're playing for fake money. <laughs> I'm, of course, talking about the most dangerous game, the story by Richard Connell. Have you ever heard of this? No. Richard Connell. Richard Connell doesn't ring a bell. Is been he a around famous a l- author? Long time. He's been around a long time. This is his most famous thing, but it was first published in Collier's Magazine back on January 19, 1924. I love how 
a lot of classic stories have these, you know, kind of whatever the opposite of illustrious is beginnings because they, yeah, you, you know, you'll hear of all sorts of like all the uh, Sherlock Holmes stories and they end up, or didn't they begin as um, serial, like magazine serials or something? Yeah, totally. And also Charles Dickens writing week to week. Yeah. In sort of these uh, magazines, the equivalent of the 19th century Playboy. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. Uh, but Richard Connell started his writing career at a very young age. He was just 13 when he started reporting on a murder trial for his father's newspaper. How old? 13. 13 to send him out. Go on there. Report Go. about the murder. Straight. Yeah. That's his first case. Go hear about some grisly details and report back. <laughs> He, uh, he also wrote four novels, and I love the titles of these. We've got The Mad Lover, <laughs> Murder at Sea, Playboy. Blay. Playboy. Oh, Playboy. Okay. What did you say? Playboy. He said Playboy. I'm like, <laughs> is that a pun on Playboy that I don't understand? But my favourite is his last novel, published in 1937. It's just called What Ho? Oh. Exclamation mark. Should be witch ho. <laughs> the the um it's the especially the first couple sounded like books that you wrote as a child a bit. Honestly, reading this short story back, it does feel a bit like something that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the best known short story of all time. No, it's, funny. Bells to you. it's one of those things where it, it just uh it, it jumps through the plot so quickly. Because this is very much could be a novel, I think. Very right. much. I think that he was writing to the medium. He had to put in the short story. So, which, you know, the payoff is that it's very fast-paced. Right. There's no wasted word. Yeah, I love it. Well, because it was... Where was it published again? Colliers. Colliers, a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> got to get to the point. Those Hollier readers, they're not, they're not patient. <laughs> no. They're not going to sit around and wait for you to build up a plot over... Years. I want no you way. to get to the freaking point. <laughs> get to the action. Uh, Connor was twice Oscar nominated for, as a screenwriter, but he really excelled in the short story medium, becoming one of the most popular American short story writers of his time. The Most Dangerous Game is his most famous creation, and it has been adapted numerous times for radio, TV, and film. Wikipedia.org lists 20 different feature films based on or at least wow. inspired by the plot. Well, any ones that I would have heard of? Well, the first one is in 1932 called The Most Dangerous Game. Okay. And the most recent okay. one was 2022 also called The Most Dangerous Game. Really? So, yes, yeah, still 90 years later people are adapting adapting it. So, who was it, who was in the most recent one? There was no one I'd heard of, but you might have heard of the TV adaptation from 2020. There was a series that debuted on the doomed streaming platform Quibi. Quibi. Do you remember Quibi? <laughs> vaguely rings a bell. Where it was like, uh, I think it was Sounds like, adorable. It was supposed to be like seven or eight minute episodes of stuff that oh. you watch on your phone. Oh, right. Yep. And I think they raised billions of dollars and then it absolutely flopped. Quibi. So they, had, they had to shut it down within the year and they sold it on, but they uh, had a series called Most Dangerous Game. Starring Liam Hemsworth and Christoph Waltz. Holy shit. 
That yeah. sounds too big to fail, or too small to fail in this case. <laughs> only seven minutes apiece. Well, I, th- I think they stitched all the seven-minute clips together to make a movie that you can now watch as one. Right. But I haven't seen it, but they're two good actors in there. Yeah. One of the Hemsworths. Yeah. One of the Walters. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, when I get through this story, you tell me which character you reckon Christoph Waltz is playing, because I think it will probably be obvious. <laughs> Okay, I reckon he's the one, he's the games master of the most dangerous game. <gasps> Liam Hemsworth is the games player. You've already got it. You've already oh, got really? it. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> There's the uh, guy playing Joe Regular, uh, played by Hemsworth, of course. His the name's most regular. Joe Regular? That's so great. <laughs> no, that's not really his name, but okay. you know, they're always trying to be like... <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I th- I'm like, I no wonder this is a classic. With, with <laughs> Joe he's a twice Oscar-nominated screenwriter. Come on, he's not writing Joe Regular. That's Dave Warnke. <laughs> so, what's in your version of it? It's Joe Regular's the is the Hemsworth. What's the other character's name uh, in the uh, Warnke verse? Phil Doom. Phil Doom. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> and you're like, which one's the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> Who's the average Joe? And who is the bad guy? <laughs> Mr. I don't Regular. have time to explain. It's only seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, it needs to be thing. clear right off the bat. I don't know how the, yeah, the, what the pilot's like. It must be so quick. <laughs> the, see, yeah, they, they probably also have very evil music whenever Bill Doom's on screen. <laughs> and just very light, light and fluffy music when regular. What is his name? Joe, Joe regular. regular. Joe Regular's on stage, <laughs> on stage, on screen. <laughs> and then yeah, Joe Regular. Everyone's just like, "What a cool dude!" Every time he yeah. leaves the scene. Yeah, his hat's on backwards. <laughs> so you can tell. All right. How about we start with the opening line, as I always do, to set the scene, give you a bit of the Connell magic to set it up. Right. It's a quote. It starts with, Off there, to the right somewhere, is a large island, said Whitney. It's rather a mystery. What island is it? Rainsford asked. The old charts call it Ship Trap Island, Whitney replied. <laughs> a suggestive name, isn't it? Sailors have a curious dread of the place. I don't know why. Some superstition. And we're off. Wow, that. Ship Trap Island sounds like something nine-year-old Dave Warnicky would write, for sure. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> Pardon me, Joe Regular? <laughs> ship Trap Island, fantastic. Well, that's ominous. So they're yeah. on a ship. They're on a ship near Ship Trap Island, so it, it is an ominous start, you're right. And, uh, yeah, the next line, they're already on Ship Trap Island, and then the line after that, it's the end. Is that sort of <laughs> that's, how short this is? That's what Collier's liked. <laughs> And, yeah, everyone lived happily ever after, apart from the ones who died. We don't have time to tell you which. <laughs> well, we've just met two characters there. Whitney and Rainsford. Whitney, a.k.a. Joe Regular? No, Rainsford is Joe Regular. Rainsford's Joe Regular. Whitney is Captain Doom. No, Whitney is just... Um... Just some guy. <laughs> Mr. Unimportant. Okay. Rick Unimportant. Wow, why give such a great name to someone who's not important? Yeah. Whitney. Whitney's a fantastic name. Whitney. 
They are both Americans traveling on a ship in the Caribbean, and they're both big game hunters on their way to Rio de Janeiro to go hunting in the Amazon. Okay. What are they hunting? What's that? What are you hunting in the Amazon? Uh, piranhas. Yep. Trees. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> uh, parrot. Parrot. The one parrot. Yeah. <laughs> Just par- parrots, plural for parrot, is it? A hunting parrot. <laughs> Probably is. That sounds right, actually. Sorry. Apologies. I don't know. Yeah, what, what's the, the biggest... They'd have some monkeys over there, surely. Yeah. That, that'd be where all the New World monkeys are probably in the Amazon. I'm Let looking me... up. Okay. I've, I've actually just looked up biggest animal in South America. And we've got... Oh, this is tragic. Cause they're one of my favorite animals. The capybara. Oh. Right. Beautiful also, big animal. Yeah, they're beautiful. Also, tapirs. Oh, yeah. Another fantastic animal. And then, not then the green anaconda. That's a big animal, right? Yeah, that yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a one of the big ones. But number four on the list is piranha. So there you go. Squirrel monkeys are also in the Amazon. You can't hunt squirrel monkeys. No. Surely not. Oh, there's jaguars. Oh yeah, that's okay. the kind of stuff that they like. Yeah, and cougar. Yeah. Alpaca. Alpaca. Is that uh, is it from the Packer family? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Heir to the Packer dynasty. <laughs> Al, get in here. <laughs> yeah, James is not cutting mustard, mate. Cutting mustard. I looked that up the other day because I said cutting the mustard. And I'm like, wait, is it cutting the mustard or cutting mustard? And then I'm like, or is it passing mustard? And I looked it up and it is two separate sayings, passing muster and cutting the mustard. Oh. And I think they mean something vaguely similar. There you go. I've, I've, I literally looked it up yesterday and I've already <laughs> lost the information. <laughs> and people are yelling at their iPods right now. That's not, not why again. they tune into Book Cheat. They tune in for answers, not questions. Yeah, yeah exactly. English explained, not questioned. <laughs> you familiar with those sayings though, Dave? Yeah, I think I've heard heard them both, but I would have been like, oh, which is which? Yeah. Do you cut or pass mustard? <laughs> I'm passing on the mustard, thank I'm you. Passing on the mustard. Happy with just the tomato sauce on my hot dog, thank you very <laughs> much. So if you eat too much mustard, you'll probably start passing mustard, if you know what I mean. Oh, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was a highbrow podcast. It though. is, it is. We're going to talk about Whitney and Rainsford. So they're hunters on the way to Rio as they travel through the pitch black night on their ship. Which is described as being like moist velvet. Okay, that doesn't magic. sound good. <clears throat> they talk about hunting. This is a quote from the book. The best sport in the world, agreed Rainsford. For the hunter, amended Whitney, not for the jaguar. Okay. So it is the jaguar they're is, after. That's their big thing. And then he says, don't talk rot, Whitney, said Rainsford. You're a big game hunter, not a philosopher. Who cares how a jaguar feels? Perhaps the jaguar does, observed Whitney. Yes, Whitney, that's right. Yes. Standing up for the jaguar there. But Rainsford, he's having none of it. In his world, there are two classes, the hunter and the huntees. And Rainsford says, luckily, you and I are hunters. Oh, that sounds like he's setting up some some, uh, 
irony or something there. Yeah, that's it, right. Is is the I'm I don't want to leap to the end or anything, but is the hunter about to become the hunted? <gasps> Our Joe regular. Because that really is what this feels, feels like. That is laying it on pretty thick. That's a thick layer of mustard right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Is this passing the muster? I don't know. It's hard to say when you don't know what it means. <laughs> well, their conversation then returns to the so-called Ship Trap Island, which has a bad reputation that spooks the crew and even the seasoned Swedish captain. And they're normally unflappable, seasoned Swedish captains. Absolutely. A seasoned Swede. One of my favorite things. Seasoned Swede. They normally, they've seen it all. But he's, ter- he's even he's terrified. And Whitney himself got a chill when they got near to it. Whoa. Were they multiplying? <laughs> That's when you know it's bad. Or good. <laughs> Either or. You start losing control. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. But there's just something off about the place. It's one of those places you can just feel something going on. Whitney thinks evil is tangible in wavelengths like light and sound. And this place, you can really just sense, you can taste the evil. Wow. And and, and it tastes bad. It tastes bad. Ow. Oh. Bit tangy. Bit too no. tangy. Not for I don't me. mind a bit of tang, but not this is me. not for me. Too much tang. <laughs> so he says, there's evil in this place. And with that, Whitney heads off to bed. <laughs> All right, not all. Not too loud. Rainsford, aka Joe Regular, stays to smoke another pipe on the deck alone. And while smoking, he hears the unmistakable sound of gunshots, three in total, coming from the supposed direction of the mysterious ship trap island. He can't see anything as he strains his eyes in the darkness and hoping to get a better view, he stands up on the ledge of the ship but as he climbs up because it's so dark his pipe is struck by a rope and it's knocked out of his mouth and as he reaches to grab it he loses his footing and falls off the side of the boat into the warm caribbean water below oh that sounds all right yeah it's nice even though it's dark beautiful warm water yeah but it's such a it's such a clumsy thing his pipe gets knocked by a rope and he goes oh 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 when you say got struck by, I was I was sure you're going to say lightning. So, <laughs> hey, there's two things in this world you can get struck by. One's lightning, the other is rope. <laughs> yeah, there's some really unlucky people who've been struck by by rope multiple times in their life. <laughs> rope doesn't strike twice, but that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, you're more likely to win lotto than be struck by rope. <laughs> is that true? That's true. I've never been struck by rope, I don't Me think. Either. But you have won the lotto. I have multiple times won the lotto. <laughs> That's, That's why true. I'm sitting here on a pile of cash. Wow. It looks yeah, you un- might have been wondering why that was. Yeah, you look unstable. Yeah. I'm, I feel like, I, and I'm also at the Caribbean, I could fall into the warm waters at any <laughs> Honestly, moment. if you just traded like two or three of those bills for a chair, you'd be much more comfortable. Oh, yeah. That feels a bit risky. I think I'll take the money, thanks. <laughs> yeah. You're more of a what's-in-the-box kind of guy, not me. I'll always take the money. <laughs> yeah. I see any product as something in a box. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> you assume it comes in a box. It, yeah, and I'm not going. I'm not going to go with what's in the box. I'll take the money, thanks, Berjo. <laughs> you keep ordering stuff from the internet. Stuff arrives in a box, and you're like, "Well, I'm not taking that." No, I'll take the money. <laughs> a lot of refunds. Most of my wife, most of my life is, and my wife is doing uh, refunds. <laughs> Your wife's doing refunds. I've got a wife who does refunds. <laughs> wow, that's that her is, main task. That is wealthy. Yeah, that's true wealth. <laughs> All right, so Rainsford, a.k.a. Joe Regular, he's in the warm Caribbean water. He tries to yell out to the boat, but it quickly disappears into the darkness. He's all alone now. Oh, no. This boat couldn't hear him. He should have yelled out to the people on the boat. He would have had a better chance. Captain. No, he's yelling out, boat. (laughs) Boat. Boat, can you hear me? (laughs) And the captain's going, well, it's not talking to me. I guess I'll keep sailing. (laughs) Yeah, looking around. Huh, I don't see any boat here. You're on a boat, Captain. But it, Captain's very specific. No, this is a ship. This is yeah. not a boat. <laughs> That's his thing. <laughs> so, Rainsford decides to swim for the island in the direction of the shots that he heard. And as he's swimming, he hears an animal screaming out in pain before the sound of a pistol silences it forever. Oh. So, he swims on and makes it to the rocky edge of the island, just, and immediately falls asleep from exhaustion. You really had to swim a long way. Right. But in the beautiful warm waters. Yeah, that's right. Beautiful. Would have probably been a delight. Yeah, exactly. So he's in a tropical paradise. He really has to remember where he is. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, crazy. mate, stop complaining. <laughs> People keep handing him cocktails in coconut <laughs> shells. What are coconut? Are they coconut shells? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And he keeps yelling, but I need a boat. A boat. <laughs> he's like, well, we call this cocktail... Busy, busy boat so enjoy <laughs> shut up and drink <laughs> waking up the next afternoon Rainsford explores the island and finds a spent rifle cartridge he reasons this must mean humans are on the island who can save him so he wanders oh, yeah. around wanders around and just as it's beginning to get dark again he spies at first what he thinks must be a mirage it's a giant chateau on the edge of a cliff oh okay I thought you meant like a, a Nissan Mirage. <laughs> yeah. Is this a Mirage? Oh, I'd actually prefer a Maxima. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a zippy little number. Sure, it'll get you from A to B. <laughs> but I'm looking for a boat. Yeah. <laughs> a Nissan boat. <laughs> okay. It's a whole Nissan dealership. <laughs> but they only sell Mirages. Mm. Oh. He's like tapping it. Is this coming a boat? And I know you've got American listeners. I'd be like, what are you talking about? How do they say it? Nissan. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so fun. I love cultural differences. Me too. My favorite is Hyundai. Hyundai. They say Hyundai. That's good stuff. Oh, yeah. What, there's a song that says drive off in a Hyundai. A Kanye song, I reckon. Yeah. That's what he was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the context at all. So he sees this chateau in the middle of an island, in the middle of nowhere. He's like, this can't be real. But then he touches the door and he's like, it's real. Whoa. So One of knocked- the two doors on the on the Nissan Mirage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's knocking. He's knocking on the door. He's like, mate, knock on the window. They can see you. <laughs> so he knocks on the door of the Mirage. And it's <laughs> answered by a giant bearded man who points a gun at Rainsford. Oh. The giant's that, name is... You're never going to sell cars with that kind of no, attitude. Right. 
He hasn't made a sale in a while. He's getting desperate, old Gil. <laughs> Gun to your head. Will you buy this Will Nissan Mirage? <laughs> well, the giant's name is Ivan. He is both he is both deaf and mute, and is almost like he's like I imagine like a James Bond esque henchman. Right, but like a literal giant, like a mythical creature, or just a really big human. I think like like a six foot ten, massive dude. Right. That sort of an NBA around. basketballer sort of thing. Yeah. And but one who never says a word. A ruckman. Yep. It's sort of like a Peter Spider Everett. Kind of or a, a or a Lazar Vitovic. Yes. Who I think actually after footy ran a Nissan car dealership. <laughs> Thinking to say if thing after footy became a henchman, so <laughs> <laughs> he was a henchman on the footy field. He retired from all that. Yeah. Wow. hopefully he can get me a micro. It's like genuinely he was, he was a car salesman after. I hope it was for Nissan. One can only dream. <laughs> so Ivan, he's got the gun pointed at Rainsford, but he's called off by another man who comes to the door, General Zaroff, who appears and invites Rainsford inside. Zaroff praises Rainsford, saying that he's read his famous books on hunting. And so at this point we realise that Rainsford, he's a famous hunter. You're like, okay. Ah. And he invites Rainsford in to dress and join him for dinner. He arranges a very ex- expensive He suit. was nude at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, get it off. Or get it on. Get it on, please, mate. We're trying to eat here. We're trying to eat chops, not look at chops, mate, okay? <laughs> Just of those three characters, what do you think is Christoph Waltz? Oh, the yeah, it's definitely the... Definitely the giant. <laughs> <laughs> He's and a def- big man. Definitely the, definitely the guy inside the house. I forget his name already, but... General Zaroff. General Zaroff. He's like, That's oh, going to be Christoph. I'm a big fan. And perfect for that role. You know, I can see him, you know, he's just sort of like very polite, but also yes. fully, you know, that just below the surface, he's a psychopath. Absolutely. Like so intense, but so but so polite. So you couldn't be like, you're being really rude or you couldn't call anything out. It's just a feeling yeah. he gives, isn't it? I can picture him with like a napkin dabbing his mouth saying, welcome, welcome. <laughs> yes. No, no, please do stay. Yes. Oh, more peas? <laughs> <laughs> I love peas. And you're like, this is fucking weird. And then he'd do a monologue about peas. Yes. <laughs> a story from his childhood. Where he <laughs> yes, that's peas. right. It would be a flashback. Wouldn't it be? Mother, never let us have peas. <laughs> And then, like, it's a story where he ends up killing his stepfather by, like, stuffing his nostrils full of peas or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My first kill. Uh, over dinner, which is in a giant room surrounded by the heads of hunted animals, General Zaroff explains that he's been hunting his whole life and travelled the world, but eventually got tired of it because it all got a bit boring. Animals, he says, are always outwitted by humans. But now, on the island... He hunts a different kind of animal that has reasoning and presents the ultimate challenge. Ooh. And Rainsford is like, what animal? And Zaroff keeps dancing around the answer, doing a Christoph Waltz-style monologue, talking about reasoning and animals. Yeah. And Rainsford keeps asking, okay, but, but what animal do you hunt here? It's, if it's so clever, so smart, what's the challenge? What is it? Until eventually, he realises that Zaroff means he hunts human beings. Yeah, it felt pretty clear from the right, right off the bat there, average Joe. But <laughs> Yeah, come on, man. Rainsford says, hunting 
Great guns, General Zaroff. What you speak of is murder. This is, it's like, it's, um, so I'm guessing this was written as like an animal rights thing, or is it, or is there some uh, level here I'm missing? Well, as you said before, it's like the hunter becoming the hunted. Yes. You're right, absolutely. But it, it feels like, you know, they, they're going, hey, you know, put yourself in the animal's shoes. And then they'll be like, animals don't wear shoes. And then they'll be like, what about horses? Horses wear shoes. Like, well, not always. Wild horses don't wear shoes. It's just something that humans do to them for some reason. They nail shoes to their feet. It's weird. And they'll say, well, no, it's like, I think it, for some reason it helps the horses. It, you know, I don't understand it, but it, it does. And uh, did you know that horses' hooves are really just like, they used to have toes and now it's just sort of like one toe and a big toenail. And then they'll be like, whoa, that's weird. What was the question again? You know what I mean? <laughs> Is this a direct quote from a conversation you've had? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> About horses? Oh, yeah. No, but it, it feels like that's what they're doing. They're going, hey. They're, like they're laying it on so thick about, oh, I bet the animals probably don't enjoy it. Or yep. is this because this is a long time ago? It feels like it would be. A, oh my! People didn't care about animals a hundred years ago, did they? <laughs> did they even have animals back then? <laughs> yeah. When did animals get invented? <laughs> you know what, Dave? I think the most dangerous animal of all is the human. Oh. Yeah. It's okay. a bit of an, an interesting take I have. Would you describe them as the most dangerous game? You. Oh my God. Game meaning thing you hunt. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I would. That's good. So Rainsford's there. He's like saying, "This is Joe Regular. That's murder. What are you talking about? That, that's, that's just killing." And Zaroff just can't understand his logic. He's like, "Well, you killed people in the war, didn't you?" Yeah. And Rainsford's like, "That's different." Zaroff says, "Life is for the strong to be lived by the strong, and if needs be, taken by the strong." The weak of the world were put here to give the strong pleasure. I am strong. Why should I not use my gift? If I wish to hunt, why should I not? And Rainsford's like, okay, well, who do you hunt then? And Zaroff explains that he uses lighting and beacons to purposefully shipwreck people on the island. Oh, I would have called it Shipwreck Island. <laughs> well, he, he guides people towards the rocks. He then offers them shelter in order for them to recover and even offers them some combat training, but they, which means they must be like, what, okay, why are you teaching me this, but okay. <laughs> yeah. And then he eventually offers them the chance to play his game in exchange for their freedom. Zaroff says these are the rules of the game. It's a game, you see. I suggest to one of them that we go hunting. I give him a supply of food and an excellent hunting knife. I give him three hours head start. I am to follow, armed only with a pistol of the smallest calibre and range. If my quarry eludes me for three whole days, he wins the game. If I find him, the general smiled, he loses. That sounds like a pretty fair game. Uh, apart from but the fact that he's got a gun and they've got a knife. Totally. I feel like the the other person should have a gun. But I guess in the same way that you know animals don't have guns, the, uh, <laughs> the, the leopards or whatever don't have guns. So he's like, what I do, I give them three-hour head start, I nail horseshoes to their feet, and then I let them go. <laughs> and I nail sharp teeth into their mouth. <laughs> so, yeah. And is he, is, is what's he traveling on foot as well? Yeah, they're all on foot. But he knows the, the terrain island. so much better. That's true. Yeah. 
So it's not it's not that fair. If it, if they were dropped off in a neutral zone, I think I'd give each of them an even chance, maybe. But because he it's he's got the home ground advantage. He lives there, yeah. And Rainsford asks, okay, well, what if they win? And Zaroff says, he's never lost. Mm. He says, one time he almost did, and then he had to use his dogs. So he's also got hunting dogs on his side. Right. Yeah, that's that feels like cheating. Yeah, it's like, I'm about to lose. Oh, get the dogs. Yeah, that's like the humans who hunt foxes and stuff. They use dogs. Like, you're not doing anything. No, no, that's right. You're just looking nice riding around on a horse. Rainsford says, well, what if people refuse to play? And Zaroff counters that they're, they're welcome to choose that option, but then Ivan, the giant, will take care of them. And he used to work as a torturer for the Tsar, so they always end up agreeing. Right. So it's like, either you take your chances in the game, or he'll murder you painfully and slowly. I'll play the game, I guess. Okay, fine. Okay, all right. But I want to be the car. No, the hat. <laughs> I'd be the car, honestly. I'd be the Nissan Mirage and I'd drive <laughs> Why off into the Why did I choose the, the hat? Stupid, stupid to choose the hat. Sun protection, I guess, but... Oh. <laughs> yeah. Is that a bulletproof hat? <laughs> Rainsford is sickened by the thought and Zaroff tells him that once he begins the hunt, he'll come to see it as the ultimate challenge. But Rainsford declines to join Zaroff on tonight's hunt and instead goes to bed, failing to sleep as he's so upset by what he's heard. As he begins to finally drift, drift off, the sound of a distant pistol shot wakes him. So Zaroff's just killed another person. So that, that noise that he heard before of an animal crying out, that animal was a human animal. Hmm, that animal was Derek. <laughs> Sorry, Derek. That animal was Derek from accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, I mean, and Rainford at this point doesn't see that this is all about to happen to him. He has no idea. He he thinks... How does he not see Zaraf, that as a possibility? Zaraf has invited him to hunt. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to get invited on the hunt. Okay. Right. The next, For some training. The next day, Zaroff and Rainsford again dine. He should have gone out on the hunt. He could have then seen seen what Zaroff does. Yeah. Or, it would have been an advantage yep. if he was looking ahead at all. Or, like, killed him or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If he had a gun, he could have just killed him and saved a lot of people's lives. Can I have a gun? But the next day, they, they again dine, and Zaroff complains that the sailors he hunts are no longer a challenge. He's like, they always just run in a straight line, and I, I get him like, t- three hours later. It's so boring. He gets them in three hours, and he gives them a three-hour head start? He's cheating. <laughs> yeah. He's cheating. I forgot to tell you, they are wearing a homing beacon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. So I wonder what, what kind of way he could escalate the challenge somehow. Maybe if maybe if the person he was hunting was also a master hunter? Yeah. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, God, just an option. I was thinking just a four-hour head start, but that's much better. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. He could give him 
A 24-hour head start. Oh. If you really want a challenge, maybe don't use the dogs. I want to make it a bigger challenge. Well, how about you just yeah. do it yourself then the without, or like, without horses and dogs? Yeah, and do you need the gun? Go hand to hand. Yeah. Knife on knife. Knife on knife. Or, Bring a knife to a knife fight. Honestly, the, re- the real challenge would be if you still stuck to animals but just did it hand to hand, like him versus a lion. Yeah. Like, if you can kill it naturally, that's impressive, I guess. Yeah. Or, yeah, I don't, and I don't think you can. No. <laughs> I think you'll find that the challenge is, is pretty good. Yeah. The challenge, he lost the challenge because it was so far in his advantage. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing, if he's going to try and hunt Rainsford, it's still in his advantage. He doesn't really want a challenge. He just wants it to be slightly less really easy. Yeah, he wants a challenge that he's guaranteed to still win. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like him. Well, Rainsford, he demands to leave the island at once, but Zaroff tells him, tonight they will hunt. Rainsford at first says, no, I'm not going out on a hunt, until it slowly dawns on him, Matt, that Zaroff means that he will hunt him. Mm. He hopes Uh-oh. that as a fellow great hunter, Rainsford will finally be the challenge he's been looking for. He says, you'll find this game worth playing, the general said enthusiastically. Your brain against mine. Your woodcraft against mine. Your strength and stamina against mine. Outdoor chess, as you said, Matt. And the stake is not without value, eh? I hope they see themselves as queens, because it's the only one you can really move anywhere you want. Yeah, that's right. If you choose the king, you're like, ah, shit. Ah, this is going to be slow going. (laughs) This is really boring. Or if you're the knight, it's very odd. You're taking very odd paths. You're like, you, you go on a straight line for a three, and then, unfortunately, either a step either way is certain death, but <laughs> yeah, well, you are a knight, so obviously. you're going to fall into the Amazon. Chivalry. <laughs> like the line, your woodcraft against mine, like they're going to do some sort of wood competition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who can make the best shelf? He promises to let Rainsford go if he hasn't found and killed him by midnight on the third day. And with that, he supplies Rainsford with clothes, food, a hunting knife, and a pair of moccasins as they don't make noise in the forest. And he tells him, you go get your head start. I'm going for a siesta. I'll start following you at dusk. Oh, I mean, he even gets a siesta. Yeah, that's right. I love moccasins. Because they're, they're not the Australian style moccasins, which are obviously a, as the words been borrowed from America. But, yes. Um, but yeah, I think moccasins are like sort of comfy slippers over here. They're they're great, <laughs> and I guess they're kind of comfy. They're comfy shoes over there too. But I always yeah, I didn't re- I remember looking it up a while ago, and they look totally different though. But they still, I'm looking at them now. They still don't look like that great a hunting shoe no. or boot. So they look like they'd get soaked, you know, because it's just it's all kind of a cloth. It's all soft, isn't it? Yeah, they look soft. Yeah, like you're, you're right. It looks like if you step in a puddle, you're absolutely screwed. You're going to be squelching for the rest of the hunt. <laughs> it's so much easier to be found when you're squelching. Yep. <laughs> which, if you, which, which kind of moccasin would you wear on a hunt if you had the choice? The Australian moccasin or the, the original moccasin? Well, I like my feet to be nice and toasty at all times. So I'm going for the Australian slipper style moccasin. Yeah. How about you? They got a bit of a, a like a firm rubber sole on them normally as well, don't they? Yeah, and I think they're often made of sheepskin and that stuff. That's still that's still warm when it gets wet. Yeah, sheep 
Well, I mean, they've tested it out there on the cold for centuries. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Maybe even decades. Yeah. A long time. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I'd, I think I'd go with the Aussie ones as well. Right. You know, there, there used to be a joke. This is the first I really heard about moccasins. Friends of mine lived in Maui in country Victoria, in Gippsland. Do you know what the, the, the old joke about Maui is? No. It was a very old joke, maybe. It was that Maui is spelt M O A, and it's they, the joke was it stands for moccasins on everyone. <laughs> okay, I've never heard that. Which I mean, I, I'm like, I didn't really get the joke because I'm like, well, yeah, everyone's wearing comfortable shoes. Yeah, great, cool, <laughs> cool that. But it was it was sort of like a snooty a snooty joke, I guess. So they're not even you saying be, it's so cold. You should be wearing R M Williams. Oh, so it's not I thought... <laughs> like Dave. <laughs> That's right. Keep my feet toasty. But what about, I thought when he said the joke is that it's so cold there, everyone's got to warm their feet. Oh, that maybe that is the joke. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe it's because it is cold in Gippsland. Maybe I just never understood the joke. I didn't understand it anyway, but I thought I figured it out later in life that it was a um, like a classist thing. Oh, it, no, no it, honestly, it probably it's possibly is. Possibly a cold, a cold joke. And no, they've pointed that out. You're probably right. <laughs> that's more likely. So, the hunt is on. Rainsford runs into the forest and creates a complicated path to track, doubling back on himself several times, purposely running in circles, so he's difficult to see where he's gone. He then expertly climbs a tree, being careful not to give away his position by um, making marks on the ground. He sits on top of the tree and waits, and then he sees Zaroff approaching very quickly, who walks right up to the tree and blows a smoke ring in the direction of his prey, but he doesn't look up. Instead, he calmly walks away. Oh, is he toying with him? Yes, with that terror fills Rainsford as he realised Zaroff is, is an incredible hunter and easily found him and chose to let him continue on for another night. He's like, wow. oh, I thought I was doing really well, but he found me straight away and basically mocked me. That is That is like a tracking beacon on him for sure. Yeah, yeah he must have it. He decides he's got to take matters into his own hands. The next day, he lays a trap for Zaroff, something called a Malayan man-catcher. But is Zaroff a Malayan man? Unfortunately not. No, he says well, he, it's not going to work, he, is he's it? He's a Cossack man, so... No, it's not going to work. It's not one-size-fits-all. No. no, he needed to use a Cossack man-catcher. Damn. Damn it. You think of that. So a Malayan man-catcher, it's, it's a tree trunk on a rope. Classic booby trap. You see, yeah, like he's gonna get. He's hoping to <laughs> strike him with a rope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Zaroff sets it off, and the tree smashes into him, but he's able to dodge most of it, and it only hits his shoulder. He, he okay, that's still pretty good. Still hurts him. He yells out and compliments Rainsford for his resourcefulness, and says, "I'm going to return for some medical attention, but I'll I'll come back and kill you tomorrow night." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, jolly good show. Uh, we'll still be back to kill you tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. Sleep well. <laughs> A-ta-ta. The next night, Rainsford sets another trap. So this is what I mean about it very much just quickly jumps through these scenarios. Yeah. So the next night, Rainsford sets another trap. He digs a hole in some quicksand and fills it with some sharpened stakes and covers it with grass and leaves. When Zaroff approaches, he hears what he... He covers him with, just with grass and then he leaves. <laughs> then, what, <laughs> then what does he do? <laughs> That's good stuff. 
Yeah, well, there's another kid's joke about eats roots and leaves. What's that? Is that a panda? I think it's a wombat, maybe. Oh. Eats roots and leaves. Because root, roots in Australia is boning. <laughs> that's good stuff. For your Americans. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You've got to point this stuff out. Otherwise, they, they think, what are you talking about, a football game? Huh? He eats roots for his team and leaves. <laughs> Go Cowboys. <laughs> they got done this week, Dave. Well, I'm giving them the... Lost their, lost their quarterback as well in the game. Where'd they lose him? <laughs> it's such a small field. <laughs> they they went to a shopping centre before the game. <laughs> he said he was going to go get some snacks and he never came back. <laughs> he lost him in a Wendy's. <laughs> so, he, Rainsford, he set a trap. He's covered it with grass. He's left, but it's also covered in leaves. <laughs> Just to be clear. When Zaroff approaches, he hears... Rainsford hears what he hopes is the hunter falling into the trap. But Zaroff calls out again and says, Congratulations, your trap has claimed my favourite dog. Oh, not Kenny. Sadly, Kenny's gone. Again, he congratulates Rainsford and sets back for the chateau with one night left to complete his task. He's he's like... He's just like, I've lost a dog. I'll call it a night. Yeah, he does. He He must know he's he's so close to him. (laughs) He calls it off. So Jeez, he's putting it all on the line last night. One night. Yeah, you write about like another book, a full novel would be like building up suspense through each night. Is he going to make it? Yeah, no, it just, yeah, it just very much noises. It sort of punches through these th- scenarios. It feels like it's a, it's a book for the, the modern age. Yeah. They say we're, we're losing our... <laughs> what are we losing? Vocabulary and... Wow. Um, very good. Also, our concentration span. Is that what's the phrase? His attention span. Oh, God. <laughs> he's only out as he's talking about it. <laughs> Reading it to me, it felt a bit like a like a Roadrunner Warner Brothers cartoon. Like you know, just like scenario yeah, yes. fades to the next day. New new trap, new segment, new idea how to kill the other guy. Ziggler every time he's going meep meep <laughs> yeah. or whatever his name is. <laughs> Ziggler. Right, the next night, which is the final night. Rainsford again sees his captor approaching, and this time, accompanied by his dogs and his giant servant, Ivan. You say his dogs, his dogs minus one, Kenny, R.I.P. That's right. This one's for you, K-Dog. You are literally a dog. (laughs) Kenny knows that. You are literally a dog. Well, maybe Kenny doesn't know that. Do dogs know their dogs? No, they don't know. They don't know. So, Rainsford, he sees him approaching. He decides to use a trick he learned in Uganda. He ties his knife, which, remember, is his only weapon, to a sapling, hanging from a tree, tying it back with a vine, and then runs into the undergrowth. And the vine was supplied by Acme. (laughs) Acme vine. (laughs) He watches from afar as the group hits his trap. But instead of slicing open his hunter, Zaroff, it instead flies into... into... his second favourite dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Rachel. <laughs> Kenny and Rachel. <laughs> he keeps killing these dogs. <laughs> it becomes a comedy, but the comedy is that dogs are dying. Yeah, Day 12. All right, I've only got two dogs left. Running out of dogs. <laughs> 
They just keep having horrific stuff. Like a coconut falls on them and just crushes <laughs> its head or something. <laughs> no, I'm happy to report no more dogs died because... Thank God. I'm instead, a dog lover now. the knife flies into Ivan the Giant, killing him. Whoa. Must have got him right in the right spot. Big man's down. Big target, though. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So he's like, crap, Zaroff's still coming. I've only taken out the giant. So he runs on, runs away until he gets to a cliff above the sea. He can see the chateau, but a big drop is between him and the mansion. With the dogs closing in, he leaps into the water below. And the water is warm. Into the darkness, into the ocean. You're right, it's beautiful, warm, lovely, (laughs) like a bath. He can relax now. (laughs) Finally, he's at ease, back <laughs> in the warm water. Oh, beautiful. Mm, bath bomb. He orders a cocktail. <laughs> yeah. I'll have another coconut boat. <laughs> the general reaches the cliff top where Rainsford has leapt. This is a quote from the book again. For some minutes, he stood regarding the blue-green expanse of water. He shrugged his shoulders. Then he sat down, took a drink of brandy from a silver flask, lit a cigarette, and hummed a bit from Madame Butterfly. Oh, the uh, Olympic swimmer. Susie O'Neill. <laughs> Susie O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's very much a Christoph Waltz thing to do, isn't it? Being like, huh, yeah. very good. And then just start... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> very good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Borat's on the island. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very nice. <laughs> He's new henchman. He replaces <laughs> Ivan with Bora. <laughs> that was me generally going for... That was my best shot at German. No, Austrian. Where's Christoph uh, from? I think he's Austrian, yeah. Austria. That's good stuff. I am Austrian and uh, <laughs> he's fallen into the water. <laughs> I will have a little tune by my favourite Olympian, Susie O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> Swimming through the water, yeah. <laughs> All right, back to the book to quote. It says, General Zaroff had an exceedingly good dinner in his great panel dining hall that evening. So he's, he's like, well, all right, back to, back to lunch, back to dinner. Two things troubled him, however. One, how to replace Ivan. And two... What happened to Rainsford? He felt he didn't play the game properly. <laughs> yeah. He's like the kid on Big Daddy, that Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> yeah. The rules are, I win. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. How do you play the game? I win. That's, right. That's rule number one. I always win. And you broke rule number one by not letting me win. <laughs> yeah. So you lose. So I win. As he says to himself, better luck next time, he notices there's a figure in the room. Rainsford has appeared. The hunter has become the hunted, has become the hunter. <gasps> Aptly said. <laughs> he says, he's like, oh, where did you go? And Ra- Oh, how'd you get here? And Rainsford says, it's easier to swim than trek through the jungle. And this is the final lines of the book. Final lines of the story. The general sucked in his breath and smiled. I congratulate you, he said. You have won the game. Rainsford did not smile. I am still a beast at bay, he said in a low, hoarse voice. Get ready, General Zaroff. That's how it ends. 
No, then it says the oh. general made one of his deepest bows. <laughs> I, s- I see, he said. Splendid. One of us is to furnish a repast for the hounds. The other will sleep in this very excellent bed. On guard, Rainsford. And then the final line is, he had never slept in a better bed, Rainsford <laughs> decided. <laughs> Cup that Ziggler, you, you dickhead. <laughs> you got that Ziggler. I love thinking about, God, this is a good bed. As like the owner of the bed is like bleeding to death on the floor next yeah. to me. Wow. Oh, these pillows are fantastic. Where did he get them? Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Pretty satisfying ending. I don't know. Can you see Liam Hem- Hemsworth pulling off a, a guy in a bed like that? Pulling off a guy in a bed? Please I, let me rephrase. I, Do you think? I, mean, I could see you, that. But <laughs> if that's if that's what the role called for, of course, he's a very dedicated actor. Could you could you see him portraying a man who's really enjoying a bed? <laughs> so I think I've looked it up. The modern version or the at least that one, the Hemsworth Waltz version is set in Detroit. Ah, Detroit. The game is Christoph Waltz is like a the Zaroff type guy, and Hemsworth's been diagnosed with terminal brain cancer, and he offers him Hemsworth. He says, "Well, if you play my game, every uh, I've got five assassins that want to kill you. Every hour you're alive, you'll make more money, and we'll leave it for your kid and your wife. But if oh. you make it twenty four hours, you'll make twenty four million dollars." And, that's and live, and live. Wow! So that so that's the the most of the movie adaptations are twists on this, but it's based on right. yeah the idea of someone being hunted for sport. Wow, interesting. So it's super influential, and like reading it back now, you, the story does seem a bit basic because it is like you know it jumps between these little action scenes, but it, like the idea of the story is still really cool. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. So it was fun. Um, you know. Kenny dying, Rachel dying. That <laughs> well, were, Kenny and Rachel, that was sad. That was sad. Uh, also, big uh, Lazar Vidovic, the Rockman giant. The Rock, dying. yes. That was also sad. He'll never get to run his car dealership now. Oh, that's... Uh, yeah, that is good that yeah, the episode was sponsored by uh, Nissan. Nissan. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully, we can... Um, next time we're in America, we can... Get a free hire of a Nissan Maxima with a sunroof. <laughs> oh, sunroof. You're dreaming. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I liked it. What did you think of uh, reading the full book? What did you think? Yeah, it's, it's a very short read and you can. it's very much available online if you want to just have a look. It's one of those ones that's old enough. That's I think it came out of copyright in the US a couple of years ago. Um, so that means makes me think it's going to be the basis of even more films going forward. Yes. But yeah, no, it's it's yeah, it's fun. It's interesting. I think that that reading you have of yeah, the hunter becoming the hunter, just to feel what it's like for once, is is very much there. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's fun. I, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. I enjoyed that thoroughly, and um, I feel like you know your telling of it was beautiful. Thank Probably you so, so much. Even better than whoever the guy who wrote it originally was, uh, Richard Connell, which I'd like to dedicate my version to him. Just uh, I've just googled Lazar Vidovic, um, the ruckman I kept referencing, trying to figure out if it was a Nissan dealership. But instead, I found multiple artists, uh, articles saying former AFL player pleads guilty to forgery. Oh, okay. 
A former AFL player has pleaded guilty to forging a Melbourne magistrate's signature on statutory declarations. Former St Kilda player Lazar Vidovic has pleaded guilty to forging magistrate Philip Goldberg's signature on five statutory declarations between January and September. This is a few. This is back in 2004. Whoops. The county court has heard the declarations related to naming a driver responsible for traffic infringements. But the court heard Vidovic spelt Mr. Goldberg's name wrong and spelt magistrate with a J rather than a J. <laughs> oh, Lazar. <laughs> oh, no, so Lazar. No, he oh. was so close to getting away with it too. <laughs> <laughs> he spelled, there was two words in it. He spelled them both wrong. He spelled the name and the word magistrate. <laughs> oh. Lazar. Oh, no. That's uh, because of that. It's so hard to find out where he sold cars <laughs> because there's <laughs> there's uh, all the articles that come up are about this fucking forgery. <laughs> oh no, that yeah. is so funny and yet so sad. <laughs> yeah, magistrate with a joke. Lazar, reach for the dictionary, pal. <laughs> it's almost the perfect crime. <laughs> hey, the only thing left to do is to score the story out of five. What do you reckon? Oh, I, I, yeah. Do you? Is it too much to give it five? No, have, probably, you, have you loved it? I think I, I'll give it four and a half. I thought it was. Re- I really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, loved the telling of it. Loved that. Um, love he got his comeuppance in the end. Absolutely, he got there. Um, I yeah, I really liked it too. Um, I'm gonna, and I think it could have been longer. Like it. It was there's such an interesting story there, but I'm going to give it four out of five. Really Fantastic. liked it. Oh, thanks so much for having me on, Dave. Hey, thanks for coming on. It's not just films that are fully based on this. Like, it's had a, a big influence on popular culture. There's lots of TV shows. There's like Simpsons and Family Guy references to this. And I found, um, I found a. Are you up for doing a primates about one that I found a, a monkey version of Dexter's lab- Laboratory or Laboratory? Dexter's Labor- Laboratory. Yes, I loved that show. Yeah, the, so there's like a spin-off show inside the show called Dial M for Monkey. And one episode apparently is based oh, yeah, I remember. on this. It's called Huntor. So um, I can watch it now, all seven minutes of it, and probably understand what's going on. <laughs> okay, but do you great. want to do a Primates about it? We can release it at the same time. Yeah, let's put... All right, we'll make sure these come out... Do you have a spare hour? We'll do it now. (laughs) Yeah, well, make sure these come out at the same time. So check the primates feed uh, and you will see, hopefully, a dial M for monkey. Sounds great. Awesome. All right, we'll watch it now. Seven minutes. (laughs) And yeah, if you want to come see uh, Matt and I live in Brisbane, we're coming up next week, as I said, or I am in Sydney on the 22nd of October and the week before that, the 15th of October in Melbourne. And you can get tickets to all those things at dogoonpod.com. Just click live shows and bada bing, bada boom. You're going to have a great time. I'm also coming to Perth to do some stand-up as well. Oh, great. I'd love to get back to Perth. Yes, when are you going? Of 28th, 29th of October. I wonder, we talk about this off, off mic, but I wonder if we could organize some podcasts in the afternoon while I'm over there. Anyway, we'll talk about that off the show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if we can, that'd be fantastic. Well, thanks very much uh, for joining me, Matt, on this uh, little bonus episode of, of Book Cheat. I'll be back next week with another episode. Until then, as we always say, on Book Cheat, and that is Books, Books Forever. Forever. Thanks, everyone.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.